It's the Healthcare Solutions Project, the podcast where we dig into ideas and innovations that will help improve cost, quality, and health outcomes and make healthcare better for both patients and clinicians. I'm your host, Don Siemens, and I'm excited to be joined today by someone whose main job is to help make healthcare easier for people like you and me to pay for, Leif O'Leary. Leif, welcome to the Healthcare Solutions Project. Don, thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here and have really been looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely, me too. Uh, Leaf is the Chief Executive Officer for Allegis, a provider of consumer-directed healthcare solutions such as healthcare savings accounts. Leaf has been a leader in the software industry for more than 25 years, including as the CEO of a fintech company called Interlinks. I'm really happy to have Leaf on the podcast today. This podcast is all about uncovering what innovators are doing right now to improve the U.S. healthcare system. We can get people like Leaf on the program because he knows that there are people who care about making healthcare better. And uh, so thank you for listening. Thanks for getting the word out about the show. Thanks for all the five-star reviews. They're making a difference. So Leaf, let's, let's talk about your career. You've had a successful career in software, in the software industry. Uh, what got you focused on healthcare? I, it seems like Allegis is, is kind of in the, the intersection of tech and finance, which you've been in, but why, why move into healthcare from where you were? Well, it's a, it's a great question, Don. And I, you know, I'll start by saying I think some who are close to me look at me and say, "Are you just a glutton for punishment, uh, or do <laughs> yeah. you actually have a do you have a, a higher uh, uh, purpose that you're after?" And and I sort of do laugh a bit. You know, my my career, as you mentioned, has has been centered in the technology space, and I've worked in many ways, sort of through three very distinct chapters of that career and three very different vertical end markets. Um, and as I was thinking through what I wanted to go do next um, after uh, concluding my time uh, with Intralinks, as you mentioned in the open, uh, there was a few things that were very top of mind for me. One was I tend to be one that loves to dive into new spaces trying to solve new problems. And so that is sort of a personal dynamic for me. Um, the second was sort of looking at a market, the US healthcare market that in many ways um, is personal for all of us. I mean, every one of us in some way, shape or form is touched by the US healthcare market, some mm. good, some bad, but it's a factor for all of us. And so for me, the idea of looking at a market where there were complex problems to solve, you know, meaningful, complex stakeholders to go partner with to try to solve those problems and to get after something that could help millions of Americans became pretty compelling to me. And then hmm. I think sort of the last piece for me was um, I wanted if I was going to go into a new market, a new vertical end market and, and, and attack something like this challenge of uh, helping navigate the healthcare landscape for millions of Americans. I wanted to do it with a company that I thought uh, was well positioned to go actually make an impact. You know, there there are an awful lot of companies that are um, dotting the the healthcare landscape across all different dimensions. Um, and for me, I wanted to get into the technology side of the healthcare space. Obviously, given my background. And I really wanted to, to go partner with a company that I felt could actually go make an impact. So 
So in many ways, that's what drew me into this, you know, a combination of my uh, desire to go always learn new things, get into a big complex market where there's big problems that are still unsolved, and then try to pick a, a company and a team that I thought was, was, was in a position to go actually move the needle. Those were the big drivers. Well, that is a, that's a great answer because you're right. Absolutely. There are complex problems in healthcare and there are complex problems throughout the healthcare continuum. Uh, but I think you're right. The area that you're focused on, healthcare finance, there have been changes in the system that have made an impact. I just looked up some numbers from the CDC today focused on where high deductible health plans from 2007 to 2017, enrollment in high deductible health plans went from 4.2% to 18.9%. And and that's with an HSA. Those uh, enrollments in plans that did not have an HSA went from 10.6% to 24.5% in 10 years. And so just some some quick math that's uh, that's a little bit more than 40% of our products of, our, of, our, of commercial insurance products are high deductible healthcare plans. So a couple of questions about that. One is what do you think maybe the, the future of, of high deductible health plans have we plateaued? And the other side of it is only half or less than half of the the organizations or the people who have high deductible health plans have an HSA attached to them. Why do you think it's only about 20% of those, those people? Yeah. So not surprisingly, I think there's, there's quite a few dimensions uh, in terms of an answer for both of those, those questions, which I think are separate questions and in some ways related. So let me tackle the first, you know, um, I think our point of view, my point of view, is that we have not plateaued in terms of the high deductible health plan being a part of the 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 set of options that employers and ultimately individuals like Don and Leaf, you know, are going to go leverage. Um, So no, I don't think we've reached a point of saturation or full maturity there. Um, Now, I do think to sort of continue to move the needle in terms of the adoption of this notion of a high deductible health plan, there are, there are other elements need to be in place. One of those, which relates to the second part of your question, is um, a continued evolution of the, uh, the associated beneficial vehicle, which is a health savings account, an HSA, meaning as that evolves and as the understanding of it as an asset, um, not just for paying for care, but for actually shaping a healthy future for a leaf or a Don, or I have four kids, maybe my four young kids in their 20s, who have got a lifetime of healthcare cost and complexity in front of them. Mm. Um, uh, but as the education, understanding, and then the elegance of that type of related uh, tool uh, is more deeply appreciated. I think that's when you'll start to see that next big step change. And again, I'd almost go back to where your first question, like, why'd you kind of get into this leaf? You know, it's a little <laughs> bit the question, why, why'd you go subject yourself to this? And then I, but then I think about it and I say, I've got a 23, almost 24 year old son, he's in the workforce now. And I think about 
that whole evolving younger demographic and just how important it could be for them if they had a deep understanding of the benefits of an HSA and they had a set of tools surrounding that HSA that really compelled them to deeply engage and make better decisions, get to better uh, outcomes in their healthcare. So through doing that, um, actually are um, managing their, taking more direct ownership for managing their cost and complexity of care, getting to better outcomes and preparing themselves for the balance of their life from a from an investment standpoint. Like I, I think about those things in very basic and personal terms. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, if, if we get that right, then all of a sudden the idea that a high deductible health plan was presented to you in an open enrollment period becomes not something ominous or scary or almost, I think for many people today would feel like, oh, this is my employer trying to sort of push more and more onto my back. I'm already Mm -hmm. burdened and it becomes, Mm -hmm. no, this is actually my opportunity to take more control of my destiny because I've got these other tools and assets. And so there's a lot that goes into that, but I think technology will play a big part in that and the right um, the combination of getting the right reach out in the market through the right relationships becomes a big part of that as well. So I don't know. I think that's, I, I don't think we've plateaued. And I think the right work done and some of the surrounding capabilities that could surround a high deductible health plan, like an HSA, not exclusively an HSA, but like an HSA, um, are ways that we can we can really start to move the needle to the next level of adoption. There. So are you saying that the reason why we're, we've maybe let's see, not even half the people who have high deductible health plans have HSAs. Is that because HSAs seem ominous, they're, they're not easy to work with, uh, or is there some other reason, uh, maybe a regulatory type of a reason? No, I, on my, my perspective on that, Don, and, and I, I, think, I think it's, to me, it's more the first step that feels a little, where there's probably more questions. Like, I think the idea that I go select the high deductible health plan that's that might feel a little bit much because i'm like i'm unsure does does that actually help me or am i just really bearing more uh high cost mm-hmm. in my high deductible like you know that's where i think there's that uncertainty but then with the hsa adoption i think it gets into a second and third level of dynamic the first of which is it very much still an education and understanding dynamic right I know for a fact that if I were to pull, you know, all my son's friends into a into our family room and sit down and say, "Hey, all of your employers offered you a high deductible plan. Did you take it?" Most of them would probably say no. Maybe some would say yes, but mm-hmm. most would say no. But then I would say, "Well, do you understand the benefits of an HSA? Because if you have an high deductible health plan, you have now the option opportunity to take advantage of an HSA." And right. I'm, I I know with almost absolute certainty that the education level there is not where it would need to be. Because if I'm a 23 or 24 or 25 year old, uh, not to exclusively focus on that demographic, but it's just top of mind with my son, you Mm -hmm. know, and I'm healthy um, and I'm relatively conditioned due to all the other technological dynamics in my life outside of healthcare to kind of real-time insights and taking control of my quote unquote destiny through the decisions I make day in and day out, whether it's I want to press a button and get in a car and go somewhere, I want to press a button and book a flight, I want to press a button and get an answer to a question if I'm sitting at the bar with one of my buddies so I can solve an argument, 
like I'd like to be able to press a button and maybe take more control of kind of what I'm doing with my healthcare. And that starts with understanding the benefits of an HSA because that HSA creates a platform where you're investing in, you're leaning in, and you're able to then leverage that high deductible health plan. So I think education is one piece, but it's an understanding of what that triple tax advantage position means. And it's the education of understanding what thinking of an HSA not as a spending vehicle, meaning I put money in, I spend money in the short term to pay for my care, but thinking of it more of if I were armed with the right information, I could be perhaps thinking against a longer horizon, leveraging the triple tax advantage position of this asset to build and accumulate uh, a financial profile that arms me for, let's hope in my son's case, you know, the next 70 years of healthcare complexity and cost, yeah. not just the next seven to 12 months. You know, so it's sort of that juxtaposition and in, in, in integration of education and then arming them with the right tools and resources, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. You know, I think we're we're in the same demographic boat because I've got four children. I have a daughter in her early 20s and she just got her first HSA account. And I've had HSAs before, you know, as being on my own as a self-employed person, it made sense for me from a tax advantage standpoint. Uh, the more I put in, uh, the lower my tax rates. Plus, you know, with, with having to, to pay for my own health care, pay the bulk of my own health care, it, it just made sense to have that there. But for her, it's, it's quite a bit different. We talked about why she opened the account. She told me the main reason for her wasn't to pay for healthcare to get tax deduction. I mean, she's healthy and doesn't really use healthcare a whole lot. Her main reason was to save for future healthcare expenses. Is that where you see the growth coming in the next 10 years, 20 years for HSAs as a savings vehicle? Uh, you know, I will say this. I hope that is why we see the growth. And the reason I say that is I think that will mean that we've done a few things. One, we have done a better job of educating the market on the benefits and, mm -hmm. and equally importantly we will have put tools many of which will be technology powered not exclusively but we'll be put tools into the hands of an a, an evolving demographic of americans that require real-time access to the right types of insights to take control of their own decisioning and take control of their own destiny and so I think, and I believe that to be very much the way this will evolve. And it's it's a savings and investing strategy uh, for me. You know, the idea that you're saving, excellent. And then if we can really tune that up and tap into this, um, again, evolving sort of uh, social and sort of um, uh, just, uh, everyday dynamic of people who increasingly feel like I should be able to take control of, you know, my own investing sort of approach. And that should right. connect into this as well. So if we're, if we can just get the thinking to go from, this is a spending vehicle, a little bit like an FSA uh, mm -hmm. to this is yes, a savings and perhaps an investing asset that can set me up for a healthier future. You know, I know it sounds a little cliche, but it's like a healthier future would involve being better equipped 
with the right information, um, being able to access real time the insights that allow you to make better decisions, and would allow you in so doing to take control of the way you are navigating the healthcare landscape, and you would have the money to deal with the very positive dynamic of all of us living longer and longer as we know mm -hmm. more about healthy living, as we know more about um, sort of the, as our healthcare system evolves and innovations come out in the healthcare system on the positive side, which allow us to live longer lives. You know, that's a really good thing, but also elongates the financial burden of, of, of cost and care. Yeah, great points. Uh, you, you mentioned investing. HSAs as investment vehicles have been around for a while. It, it doesn't seem to me anyway, like that's really been the focus, at least the focus publicly. Hey, put your money in here and it's a way to, you know, increase your net worth. You, you've always been able to, to, to put it into a mutual fund or, or uh, you know, have, have a, a couple of different investment type choices, but you don't really hear a lot about that. Is that changing? I believe it is. And, and the reason that I say that is um, when I look external to to our company, when I look external to Allegis for a minute, uh, it is amazing to see the amount of interest in the evolving HSA landscape from some of the largest sort of um, investment and asset management firms um, as they, I think, increasingly understand this is a fairly compelling vehicle to help people save and invest for the future. So that's that's an external um, sort of data point from my perspective. Hmm. But the other is this, you know, I look, um, and this was, again, partially what drew me towards Allegis. I look at the opportunity and what I see is, uh, frankly, as I've assessed the current um, approaches in market as it relates to the in savings and investing side of the HSA portfolio, frankly, a lot of what I've seen out there have been less than compelling options. And again, if I think about that, that mid twenties demographic who today, um, you know, there's this phenomena of kind of an interest in trading and an interesting interest in investing and this interest in being able to have real time control and access to doing uh, different, to taking different approaches uh, towards investing. And then you look at the tool sets that sit around the, the traditional HSA offering and they, they're just really lacking. They don't have the types of elegant um, high yield options associated with them that open up um, the right types of returns. They don't have uh, the optionality in terms of investing approaches, you know, somebody who might want a fully curated sort of hands off the steering wheel option or somebody who might want some uh, pre-configured investment options available to them or like perhaps your daughter and certainly my son, those that might want to control it themselves and be able to do everything down to fractional trading so they can invest in the the um, Amazons and Googles of the world, but sure. but only have so much to be able to contribute. Like we need to create those types of options. We need to put tools in their hands that feel contemporary, feel elegant. And it's not just the 20 somethings, all of us, even us as we're reaching the later stages of our life, you know, today are so used to having those, those types of uh, options. So, so yeah, I, I think as we go forward, we will find that 
um, there will be a real focus on the savings investing track. Um, and uh, I believe a number of us are well positioned to help really positively deliver tools into the market that will that will really energize the amount of engagement around around HSAs. And by the way, I think that engagement becomes a platform for one of the ways um, this all can feed back in sort of a virtuous circle back to really moving the needle across the healthcare landscape more broadly as well. Um, so that, you know, I think it goes beyond just the benefits to the Leaf and Dawn and our kids. It goes back to how does this actually move the needle more broadly as well. Move the needle in terms of people making their own healthcare decisions? Move the needle in terms of giving them the tools to, to, to pay for healthcare? How does, let, let's connect the dots for me between having this as an investment vehicle and, and moving the needle forward. Yeah, let me let me let me do that, um, and, and I'm I'm glad to go here for a minute. You know, I think what I have what I've learned in my time in and around this space is that um, there's a variety of reasons why we haven't seen this proverbial bend in the curve. You know, and and I'm not for a minute going to suggest that you know the the idea that high deductible health plans and HSAs are the entire key to unlocking that. But what I have come to understand is that if, if you can start with a really basic and powerful principle of getting individuals to engage is the first step to changing behavior, then you would come back to the idea that there is a very powerful truth, and there's a lot of data out in the market, a lot of different studies that 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 uh, have illuminated this fact that people are exponentially, and it's like the the last report I saw, it's as much as like five times as likely to engage when their money is in the middle of an experience. So whether it's a, uh, uh, I mean, you know, be logging into an app, you could be looking at a portal. Um, you could be staring at a piece of paper, I guess. You are in that much more likely to engage when your dollars are in the middle of that option to engage. Right. Why do I why do I bring that up, that point of engagement up? When I look across the value chain and I say, if you think about the landscape of, you know, payers, employers, members, even providers in many ways. If you were to sort of start with this idea, if we can get Leaf O'Leary to engage in a uh, environment powered by X payer, I'm just going to start with the simple payer example. And we say, if this is where there's tremendous critical mass in terms of cost and complexity, and we get Leaf to engage there, and now we have his mind share, we have his eyeballs. And we now start to, through that engagement, put insights and information into his hands, real time, that is reliable, that has his interests in mind, meaning I want to get to the best outcome. I need a knee surgery. I want to make sure I'm going to end up with the best outcome. And oh, by the way, I'd also like to get to the best financial position for me personally, because that helps me long term. So we start, you know, by putting the right tools in their hands, we drive engagement. That engagement now opens up real opportunity. And so 
where I would start to connect the dots here, Don, is think Leaf O'Leary has $10,000 in this account. That account is a central part of this engagement platform. And now we have his hearts and minds connected to that environment. So now if instead of when I need that knee sur surgery, um, I pick up my buddy and call my buddy who had a knee surgery six months ago and say, who'd you go to? My first instinct is I have this tool with real-time insights in it. What if I just were to go here and say, click, need a knee surgery? And what that did was deliver to me a set of meaningful insights and guided me to the best outcome. And I'm, I'm going to just generically put the best outcome out there because the best outcome might be different for different stakeholders. But for me, right. I, need, I, need, I need my knee fixed and I want it to stick. I want it to be a successful long-term outcome. You would know this better than anybody. You're an expert in the space, but today you don't always end up with the best outcome just through the inertia of calling your buddy. Most often right. what happens is you just kind of end up to the answer that inertia leads you to. And there's, again, there's a lot of research done on this, but quite often, if you had more information, you might be picking a knee surgeon that's gonna be $10. There might be actually a better knee surgeon who might be $7 or $6 or $5, um, but the inertia brought you to the 10. Now that cost is burdened into the system. If we can flip that paradigm, and again, I'm connecting a lot of dots here, but this is what gets me so excited about the longer term, big picture potential of connecting mm -hmm. people's dollars into the into the way they handle their care, is that if you if you just took that simple example and said, we ended up guiding Leaf to the $7 surgeon, which ended up saving the payer $3. Now, that $3 could go to the bottom line of the payer, or if we really think about this in a sort of end-to-end -end way, perhaps a dollar is going towards the employer in some way because their employees are making better decisions driving down the cost of care. Maybe mm. a dollar is going to leaf in some form of an incentive or some, some other way that it's nourishing the financial footprint for leaf, whether it be into the investment accounts or otherwise, you can play with a lot of different ways to do that. But now all of a sudden, LEAF is being incented to make better and better decisions. The employer's got some meaningful benefits potentially in terms of what that looks like. And the payer is still ending up, you know, far ahead of where they would have otherwise. So again, I start with this basic idea of engagement and say, if once we get them engaged, dollars drive engagement. If we build out the right tool sets, for instance, at Allegis, we have this concept of a smart account, which is a platform our clients use to hmm. bring to life a set of insights that end up in the hands of their members through their employers and then we create this platform to drive guidance and then incentives on the back end you can see a model don where um meaningfully over extrapolated over you know millions and millions of americans you really start to see a significant shift in um the the cost landscape there um, by doing these types of things. So I know it's a kind of a long-winded way of saying, I see real connection between getting hearts and minds connected through people's dollars with technology powering a set of tools that brings this value chain together in a different way. And by the way, you can even extend it out to the provider side because providers who are struggling with you know, collection and getting paid 
Um, what if Leaf is at the knee surgeon getting wheeled out by his wife and right then and there his, his, uh, his app pops up and says, hey, we've reviewed this procedure today. You're ready to pay. Click here to pay out of your HSA, your $7,500 blank. And you hit one button and it's paid real time. The provider got their payments. And you can see how everyone in the value chain, if you really were able to connect the dots, could be in a pretty meaningfully advantaged position. Again, I sort of went really far afield there on you, but that's sort of the <laughs> stuff I get excited about. You know, I can see why you decided to make that jump from just financial and tech to, to bringing that into healthcare because, I mean, to the points that you were making, there's there's some power there. And say what you want about technology and how beneficial or not it might be in our lives, it really is engaging consumers. And that's one thing that we don't do really well in the healthcare space is engage patients, engage their families, engage their consumers. So, man, I, I do think that there's some power there. You know, the consumer isn't often equipped to make better decisions. And so, you know, if, if, uh, if we can use technology to help give them what they need, engage them to the point where they're ready to make better decisions, and then give them the information that they need to do that, I think there's some, some great power there. Yeah, I mean, clearly, uh, I agree. And that's why I'm here. And, you know, it's, I think it's, to me, in many ways, I look at the healthcare landscape, especially as it relates to sort of connecting the dots across the value chain and, and leveraging technology. Um, and, and I see it sort of lagging other major industries. And there's a lot of reasons for that. It's, it's not for a lack of desire, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of complexity there. But I think if we can focus on some simple some simple ideas like engagement, like the ability to put insights into the, the hands of a, an evolving demographic that increasingly demands it. Like, again, I mean, I, I just, I use real simple, just basic examples. Like you, you, can't, you probably can't talk to your daughter any better than I can talk to my son and say, well, why don't we call a, a limousine service and we'll get them scheduled for next Tuesday to pick you up to take you to your night out with your buddies. Or, you know, like they look at you like you're literally speaking, you know, a foreign language. They're <laughs> like, no, when I, when I need a vehicle to go somewhere, I press a button on my phone and 15 minutes later, there's a vehicle there. I don't worry about something next week. I deal with it now. Um, and again, it's a, it's a, it's a silly, stupid example, but like, why can't we put, insights into uh you know all of our hands that help connect the dots uh with higher quality outcomes that create um better healthcare outcomes for us as consumers of healthcare but also ideally can feed um better economic outcomes for the players across this value chain you know when you have four trillion dollars of spend in a market and there's a whole host of studies that point to just how much of that is waste. Um, there's there's an awful lot of opportunities to do some simple things uh, to move the needle. I absolutely agree. You know, one of the fun things about having these conversations with uh, smart people like you, especially with people who haven't been part of the the uh, the healthcare ecosystem their entire careers. I think there's some benefit to having an outside perspective on 
hey, what succeeded in the financial industry? What succeeded in the technology industry? And how can we apply that into healthcare? When you look at healthcare from your professional perspective, or even a personal perspective, if you'd like to do that, what's the one thing you would change about healthcare today if you had the power to do it? You know, I'll probably give you a little bit of both, you know, and I, I'd probably connect the dots because I think they're related. You know, I think maybe, maybe I tend to put a lot of things in a personal frame first, just given the way I'm wired, but I think it really sure. relates here. You know, I think if, 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 if I think if I could solve one thing, it would be that um, uh, availability of the right information at the right time to make better decisions. You know, I, again, another personal frame, one of my other kids recently went through a fairly major surgery. You know, she had, she's a division one college athlete and had to, had to have surgery on both of her hips. Very interesting, right? You're thrust into the middle of the healthcare process when those things happen, right? So, um, that sounds like a major surgery. And I think you might be burying the lead leaf. What, 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 what's your daughter doing? What's she playing and how'd this happen? I <laughs> know she, yeah. So she's a, she's a college hockey player up in the Boston wow. area. And she, she, she ended up having, uh, injuring both of her hips and did have to go through a fairly major surgery, but she's, she's wow. fine. She's on the road to recovery. Now she'll continue playing. She'll be better than ever. Oh, um, yeah, but it, but it, but it was interesting, right? Because again, there you are, you're thrust into the middle of it. And, and the one thing that always, I think stands out to me is the fact that having the tools, um, and the motivation to go, you know, make the best decision possible as efficiently and quickly as possible is always very difficult. And again, in that case, we didn't necessarily call a buddy because we didn't have any buddies who'd had both hips operated on. You know, we right. relied on a network of coaches and trainers and other people that we know to try to get to the best outcome. But I feel like it would be so powerful if we could, if we could create an environment where people had the desire and the willingness to engage and take control of their healthcare decision. And I think a big driver of how we get there beyond this idea of engagement around our money is the tools, insights, uh, and information um, that, you know, in our hands to, to go make better decisions. Because I think that's the one thing that sort of slows us down. I mean, there's a lot, as, as, we, as we said at the open, there's a lot of unsolved problems across the healthcare landscape. So a lot of things would be nice to go do, but if I could, you know, I could probably solve one problem. I'd, I'd start there. And I think from there we could, we could really, really move the needle. Um, by the way, as a bit of an outsider to the healthcare space, I, I believe those problems to be solvable, you know, in my conversation with some of the largest health plans, uh, across the, the market, uh, I actually see a lot of these executives understanding uh, the power of, of getting this right. And so I, I know there's a lot of cynics out there who say, well, you'll never get, you know, large insurance companies to, to change. You'll never get them to go, um, you know, arm people with information so they can make better decisions. That has not been my experience. My yeah. experience has been that these executives are savvier than that, that they are thinking around the corner a little more than that. They know the demographic uh, is evolving and evolving rapidly. 
And I think they appreciate the fact that they have an opportunity to, to shape where that future goes versus have the future shape them in some ways. So my experience is, is one that has been largely positive um, in terms of the openness from some of the biggest influencers in this market to go, um, to go do the work that would create this, this opportunity. And we're, we're very fortunate at Allegis that we have um, the client relationships we do across the healthcare landscape. It gives us a really unique uh, vantage point on understanding the thinking here. So, so yeah, I'm, I, I'm encouraged. Uh, I see a lot of work to do to bring it all together, but I, I think the, the opportunity is there. And if we can start, if we can get, if we can drive engagement, which I know we can, the mm. data bears itself out. If we, and I say the collective we, not just allegiance, but if we can drive a, uh, uh, engagement, we can then create a platform that opens up, you know, the opportunities we're talking about. You spoke of influencers. I think you are in a position of influence as the CEO of a pretty major company when it comes to healthcare savings accounts. What, in your position, what difference do you hope to make in healthcare personally? Yeah, I, I you know, for me, um, in some ways, the answer to that question, I think, sits with my biggest responsibility sits in two areas. One, I think I have a responsibility to put together the right team of people at Allegis who have the right mindset. This and that mindset has to connect a few dots. It has to connect a dot that. Uh, puts our clients first because the way we focus on delivering and creating value is through our client relationships across the, across the healthcare landscape and the health benefits landscape. That's number one. Um, two, I need to bring together uh, and build a team with uh, that has a mindset that brings the best of sort of where this healthcare and health benefits landscape has been with where it can go and brings sort of a little bit of that um, disruptive mentality of what technology can really do in the space. So I've got that responsibility in terms of our people. I need those people, of course, to embrace this idea that we have an opportunity to, to positively influence the lives of millions of Americans. So I think that's an important mindset. So I got to put the right team together. That's, that's one big responsibility. And I think the second is, um, as the CEO of this company, I feel a very personal responsibility to, to really lean in to the, um, the players across this value chain. Uh, Allegis isn't gonna do the types of things that I'm talking about all on our own, not even um, by any stretch of the imagination. We, we need to be engaged across the healthcare landscape. Um, we need to be really understanding where um, the largest payers are where they're going. We need to be partnering with them to help shape the thinking there. We need to be partnered with the third-party administrators across this landscape to help understand how they're powering their business to serve the needs. We need to be close to employers and understanding how employees are thinking about delivering benefits. And ultimately, we need to be building tools that arm Dawn and Leaf and our kids to, to take control. Um, because increasingly, uh, we're going to both be looking for and in many cases demanding that control. And the worst thing you can do is, you know, put the wrong tools in people's hands and they end up doing more harm than good. You know, like I feel a real responsibility. So for me, I think those are the things I'm focused on, you know, build the right team 
within this really interesting company that is Allegis to get that right team to go power this business, you know, and then I've, I've got to take a very active role in um, building the right relationships across the landscape of this market so that we can give ourselves that opportunity to go positively impact the lives of millions of Americans, hopefully our kids included, if we do it right. Well, best of luck to you in that effort, Leif. I think you're the man for the job. I'm sure that there are some people listening who would be interested in connecting and learning more about you. What's the best way to connect with Leif O'Leary and what's the best way to connect with Allegis? Yeah, yeah. We'd love to have you come um, spend some time and get to know Allegis a little bit more. Um, you know, the best way to sort of connect with me is through uh, LinkedIn platform, or you can reach out to me directly. I'm always happy to hear directly from people who feel like they've got an opportunity to move the needle. Um, but, uh, you know, find us certainly at allegis.com and, and, uh, and you can find me both on LinkedIn and, uh, uh, direct through Allegis at leaf.oleary at allegis.com. So we'd be happy to hear from you. Sounds great, Leaf. Been a pleasure. It's been a great conversation and keep up the great work. Yeah, Don, my pleasure. Let us know how we can contribute to support your cause. We really appreciate what you're doing. And uh, it was a, a real pleasant conversation. Have a great weekend. Thanks, sir.